Hey, everybody. I am here with Pitching Ninja favorite, Tyler Glass now. What is up, Tyler? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. I mean, I don't know if you have, if you know how many times I actually tweet you during a season. I don't have a Twitter, but I, a lot of people show me and like, so I mean, like my family and friends and everyone like everyone like follows you and it's just it definitely circulates around the internet and whatnot so i do see him and i appreciate it a lot thank you very much well, well i mean I, I appreciate your stuff because like you are <laughs> you're a must watch tv every time you pitch because i know i might see something i've never seen before so uh it's awesome and it's awesome to have you on Wait, thank you man so um one let's start with the beginning like how did you like growing up were you always a stud baseball player uh like when i was young young i think i was like probably better than or like on on the better half of like i don't know if you took everyone in a group i'd probably be like around the the better side but as i grew up i think like what was it seventh to like 10th grade i was not very good everyone like kind of sprouted up and i just stayed kind of small and like couldn't throw strikes didn't throw very hard and then i kind of had a growth spurt like my junior year and then junior senior year from then on like i uh I got like a lot better, but there was like, a little rough patch there for a second, but in little league, I was pretty good. Like nothing crazy or anything like that. But I think I really started to blossom into a good pitcher, like end of high school or so. And then I got into pro ball. And I think that's when I learned a lot of stuff. So you weren't always like a giant, like now you're six foot eight. So, I mean, I, I mean, when I was younger, I was definitely ginormous. And then like around <laughs> that, like seventh, sixth grade to like 10th grade, I was like five. When I was a freshman, I was like five, eight in high school. And then I was like six, six by my junior year. So I was like, a goofy mess as you could imagine but I was always big but uh yeah it's kind of evened out now I guess I'm back to being big again <laughs> <laughs> now I heard or I think I saw an interview where you said you did gymnastics when you were young yeah my mom was a gymnast and she coached gymnastics too and won a national championship so and I, I mean obviously I think you could look at me and be like kid's not going to be a long-term gymnast like I was a big thing but we look back at home videos and stuff and like the stuff they were having us do like the functional movement stuff is what like baseball players do today it's very very strange but uh my parents were really big into putting me in like every possible sport and then just seeing what I liked and like which ones had like good values to teach and whatnot but I really enjoyed doing gymnastics when I was younger it was a lot of fun and you could still do a backflip is that true yeah I can do like a backflip I didn't learn that in gymnastics I think I just did that for more of like trampolines and then like the first time I backflipped I was in Mexico with my friends and we were all a little little liquored up and we kind of just I had to <laughs> we did it and I was like, all right, cool. I can backflip. So I think I kind of started on trampoline when I was younger and then just kind of trans like flat ground. So you, so you decided to do it while drunk, not knowing if you were going to complete it. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I went into like the ocean, like two, two feet deep, kind of like shin high. So if I fell, at least I'd have a little bit of like water to break my fall. But I ended up doing it in the water. And then I, I went out on the sand and did it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was with a, a group of people and Honestly, though, I think a lot of people could probably backflip, even though they think they couldn't. It's really just like the fear of doing it. It's not like that hard. It's just scary when you can't see the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like six foot, as, as big as you are, I don't know how you get those limbs over. That's ridiculous. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I think it's just the trampoline helps for sure. But do you think, so doing all those sports, do you think that helped you later on in, in life? Like your body awareness and stuff? Absolutely. I think it was more for like mentality. Like if I were to just grow up playing baseball all the time, I think it would be more of like a cerebral, like not, I just liked, I did track and field, football, basketball, baseball, gymnastics, like track and field was my other like number one sport. I think I liked a lot more than like all the other sports. And I think that kind of helped me 
learn how to have a work ethic because it's very individualized. Like you need to understand like your own body and yourself to get ready. And it also just kind of helps you to be an athlete with all the other sports. So it, I definitely think to help me not get like so one track with baseball and to stay an athlete doing multiple sports, I would recommend it to every kid for sure. Yeah, I, I actually, I interviewed Tom House. You know Tom House. He, he trained, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. And he actually said that playing multiple sports when you're younger gives you something actually later on in your career to fall back on and like pull out of your bag of tricks to keep you relevant later on. And that's why he thinks Brady has been so good for so long. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. I think, yeah, when you got to have to like reinvent yourself, it's probably just knowing your body and like spatial awareness. And every sport you do, it kind of gives you like another foundation of like I don't know just you're always trying to get back to balance in some way so I think it does help just being an overall athlete did your did your parents like how did they push you or not push you in in sports I didn't really need to get pushed I had like a crazy amount of energy so if like I, I, they kind of had to put me into something and I was always definitely down to do like any sort of sport so I just kind of like every in California too it's year-round like you can do a lot of stuff like I would play travel ball basically year round, but like other seasons, like basketball, football and stuff. It was just, I always wanted to do it. And then as I got later into like middle school, high school, I kind of like started to narrow down what I could actually have a future in. Um, and then I, I, in high school, was just like a one sport athlete. Cause I was just like the goofiest person you've ever seen. So got hurt, like tackling someone else in freshman football. I broke my ribs and I was like, all right, it's time to probably time to quit on this one. So <laughs> how hard were you throwing in high school? Uh, my junior year, I was like 83, 86. I got like a little bit towards the end of the year, like maybe hit like 88, 89. And then senior year, I was probably like 88, 92, somewhere around there. But I didn't really start throwing hard to like senior year. I mean, like that's pretty hard for a senior. But first year of Pro Bowl, I hit 98. So like I kind of like found myself that following year. Was that like a, a mechanical adjustment? Was it strength and conditioning or just growing into your, your body? I think the mixture of three, like mechanical for me, for sure. I used to have a really like late separation, like a really long arm path. I still have a long arm path, but it used to be very like rounded now. And I remember it was a GCL start and I was sitting in the bullpen before a game. And I was like, what's the quickest way between like two points? Like I go to AB, like a straight line. Like I keep doing this whole big, long arm circle. And I went out in that game and tried to just like take it. It kind of, I don't know if it looked funny. It probably looked similar to what I was doing, but I took it like, as opposed to round, I just went from like a, just like a straight line, like back and forth, like trying to shorten my arm, kind of make it whippy. And I hit 96 that game. And the hardest I had, I hit the previous start, I think it was like 91 or 92. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm on to something. And then the following start, I hit 98. And I was like, all right. It was a gross spurt. Thing, but also, it was like a mechanical kind of just like a mentality shift. It's interesting because I think a lot of people and people with your size, they're going to say, you want to use your whole limb, you know, big arm circle and everything. And, and I think coaches are now coming around to what you came around to, which is it's different for everybody. And a shorter arm path can be more efficient. Yeah, I think it's always just trying to find like that middle ground. Like I'm already a long, lengthy person. So like for me, I don't need to like add fire to fire. Like I don't need to be long. Like a short guy needs to understand, like he needs to somehow try and find length and like create some leverage. But for me, it's like just minimizing error. And so it's, I already have so much stuff going on to where like when I am shorter, I just feel like everything times up a lot better. Another thing that people don't get, like they assume tall guys, you're automatically going to be a great pitcher. Um, I know Randy Johnson, who is a tall guy, six foot 10 said tall guys really aren't meant to be a pitcher. Like he felt like he had to work really hard to time everything up. And I'd imagine that that probably happens with you sometimes. Yeah, for sure. 
I think like a little adjustment, like a little, like when you're off just by a tiny bit, it just kind of, by the time you release the ball, like a little centimeter off turns into like four inches off. So it just seems like I've always had trouble like doing consistent timing and like figuring out my mechanics and whatnot. But like, as I get older and um, like kind of, you get more reps under your belt and like I, and you become like athletic and you don't get all robotic. That's really what kind of helps me. But I would say it's probably harder for tall guys to throw strikes, but you do have a higher upside. Like, the leverage you can create does allow you to have some nasty stuff, but I think it's just hard to time up, especially when you're young. So you have to like, make sure you just stick with it and don't get too discouraged when you're not throwing strikes. Yeah. And I think that that's so hard because like coaches in order to win games, you got to throw strikes, right? At younger ages, they're always like throw strikes, throw strikes, but that could be detrimental to your development because now you're developing some bad habits. Yeah, I guess so. I just think too, like it takes you out of your athletic mindset. I think a lot like where I grew up, the whole mentality was like, especially like middle school, high school, it's like, just throw as hard as you possibly can. And if you can throw 90, you learn to throw strikes later. It's like, scouts just want to see that you have the ability. So it was very much like, all I tried to do was throw hard to somehow get drafted or go to like a nice school or something like that. But command was definitely something I, I was like much more focused on in high school. It's good to have a mixture of both, but if you're trying to like, get picked up and do all that stuff. I don't know how it is nowadays, but for me back then, it was just all about Velo. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty much the same thing now. And everybody's always like Velo doesn't matter, but it matters to get to a point. Right. I mean, and it yeah. matters in the big leagues too. I mean, you know, you're, yeah. you're fearsome because you can throw upper nineties. It doesn't mean you don't throw hard. That doesn't mean you can't have success in the big leagues. I just think like, if you were to look at the data of like, if you have an 82 mile per hour slider, and if you could somehow get it to be 85, like a lot of the analytic guys on teams will say, like, you just want to make your pitches harder, which I mean, I don't have all the, the proof of that or anything. But anytime someone's working on something new, I always hear people saying, like, if you could somehow get that harder with the same shape, that'd be better. Depending on obviously it's like a change if you're not trying to throw it all hard, but like pitches that break and have movement and depth and like fastballs. I just think it's better to err on the side of like aggression. Well, you say that, but you threw a 95 mile an hour change up. Uh, was it last last That's year? Yeah. Stuck at throwing changeups. So that's the thing. My advice on that. <laughs> it's so hard to throw. I'm trying, but it's tough. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think it comes differently for everybody. So some people are, it's really easy to, you know, to, to throw breaking balls. Others, it's really easy to pronate. It's rare that yeah. you find both, I think. Yeah. Like for me, I'm, I don't know, like the, it's pronation, supination. I'm a, I'm a lot stronger. And it's like when I throw a heater, my wrist is still like, I'm not like, squared up like this i already have like a tilt like that because my hand's all weird so like sliders curveballs fastballs are a lot easier for me but like when i try to get on this side it just doesn't doesn't really work for me and when i try to overpronate, it just makes my arm kind of just not feel right so I, I try to stay away from really trying to like crank on it the other way yes yeah, so um been, marcus stroman has a, has kind of a similar thing he doesn't like to think pronation at the end and he went to a, a split change this year i guess he barred it from gazelman um so i mean it's different things for different folks yeah i've experimented with some sort of like split thing too but i still bring my wrist in, like through the zone crooked so we're like if it is off a little bit it's just like i can't throw it anywhere near the zone so gotcha so you yeah. went to uh driveline legendarily and walked in and broke like every record that still it still stands today i think it was like i pictured like godzilla going in there and just going oh give me the ball <laughs> like what happened with that I just went on my agent um, was down in Washington and I was like around the area and I just needed to throw a bullpen early. And I knew like they were kind of doing some cutting edge stuff and I really just wanted to go see what it was all about. Um, I didn't necessarily go in there like trying to get a new program or anything like that, but I knew there's like 
really smart, qualified people. And I just wanted to go in and collect like some sort of information. And Trevor was there and I know Trevor from high school. Um, so he was out there and he's always like a fun dude to go hang out with. So I just kind of walked in and had a bullpen and they asked me if I wanted to do like the normal plyo stuff beforehand. And I was like, yeah, like show me what you guys got. Like, I want to see like the warm up program. And they just took me through all the weighted ball stuff and I just tried to break all the records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember, uh, Kyle sending me that right afterwards going like, holy shit, this is ridiculous. I mean, you didn't do this ever and you walk in and, and these guys, that's what they do. Yeah. And it was, I, I think I definitely like did learn too. just like, I like the atmosphere there too. It was very kind of new and like, everyone's like screaming and lifting and throwing. And that was like, right when that started to blossom in like that indoor culture. Um, but it was just cool to go meet like Kyle and the dude, he's awesome. Like Kyle Buddy's just really smart. And anytime you can go and, and get like information, I think it'd be dumb not to. So I got to meet a lot of cool guys and a lot of the dudes that were working there have gone on to work with like a lot of major league teams or become like minor league coordinators and, it was just cool to go go and pick their brains. So you went to school. Uh, how far apart were Trevor and you in, in high school? I graduated in 11 and he graduated. Well, he was a junior when he graduated. So my friend, I was a freshman. He was a junior and I didn't really get to know him super well in high school because he was on varsity and I was on freshman. Um, but he ended up graduating, like I said, junior year. So we, I've always like stayed in touch and like knew of him and like we talk every now and again now and stuff. So. I mean, if I'm ever like screwed up or something like that's a guy I'll run by some like if I'm like mechanically something's not right. Like I'll definitely he's one of the dudes in my phone that I'll kind of be like, what do you think about this? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so cool to have that community of pitchers that help each other out. And you all aren't like trying to tear each other down like it seems. And this is why I do this, too. It's to share knowledge from, you know, from you guys to everybody else. It's trying to be, you know, a great pitcher. But I love yeah. that community. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, for sure. I think anytime, like, I don't know. I just know that's not really how I operate. Like I would, I want everyone around me like to do well. I think it would be, I don't know. Cause if you go out and do your job and pitch well, like you're always going to have a job, you're always going to pitch, you're always going to do everything. And I think once you're on a team where everyone is pitching well, like all the starters are good and all the bullpen people are good. It really brings everybody up to a certain level. You kind of like, you don't compare yourself to the other starters, but like there's something about like a team full of good pitchers, it just elevates everyone's game. So if, as long as you're working in a crew and like trying to get better, I think it's, there's no, no reason to like ever try to break anyone down. And you mentioned that you uh, Darvish has reached out a couple of times. I just talked to him on Friday. Was it um, just a great dude and so knowledgeable about everything. Um, I was just curious about, about that. Yeah. I mean, his, I obviously you can tell like he's obsessed with pitching and like the best way possible. So I have the same agent as him. And I know he knew I was trying to work on a third pitch and he sent me a video about kind of like what I should think about my hand alignment, like how I should spin it and stuff like that. And he's so well versed on all the pitch grips and all the just got he's just really knowledgeable on all of it. So it was really it was really cool. He sent me like it was three different videos um, as my agent went and saw him and he was like kind of at a table explaining it uh, with an interpreter. So it was it was very nice of him. I appreciate it. Yeah, he was uh, said. So during the season last year, I mean, you probably saw it, but he reached out to me about Shane Bieber's knuckle curve. And mm -hmm. I gave, I sent him a couple of videos of it next day. He's throwing it. And then like two days later, he's throwing it in games and now he's using it as like a spike slider grip. So it's kind of, I mean, he's amazing. Like it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just, yeah, he's very like consumed with all that stuff. And I think he's gotten to a point too physically, like his mechanics are so sharp that he can kind of like manipulate, 
the ball out in front really well because he stays back so well. So he kind of he's definitely figured out how to succeed in the big leagues for sure. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I noticed that we, we were talking and he is has a ball in his hand the whole time. And even subconsciously, he's going through grips and seeing how it feels in his hand without like sure. he's talking to me and doing that, which I thought was really uh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it's funny, too. Like, if if you're hanging out with a group of baseball players and you're at a house or doing whatever and like there is a baseball around like effort, like pitchers will always go to it. Just like, just like it's stiff. It's like a it's like a fidget spinner for baseball people. It's just like something to have in your hand and like mess with your grips. I do it all the time, too. It literally, like I do it every single time, every single one of these interviews, I have a baseball in my hand just for yeah. the heck of it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, like a fidget spinner. That's actually a really good analogy because yeah. that's what I do. Like something to have in your hand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what have you been working on? Um, I know that you supposedly are throwing a new, uh, well, let's go through your pitch grips first. And then okay. we'll talk about like why you add different things and, and, uh, and what you're working on now. All right, cool. This is a heater for me I hold it relatively weird compared to a lot of people a lot of people always tell me to go like fingers together but my wrist there's a we, that whole thing like it's hard for me to get behind a baseball when I'm like this I always am on the side of it so when I do get on the side of it it really takes off if I'm close together so I go a little wider to try and get it to spin a little straighter and it seems to help me so this is my heater it's just around that horseshoe now you had carpal tunnel issues or yeah yeah in high school I had like a muscle atrophy and like a nerve issue so everything in my wrist kind of shortened up um but it i mean i don't know it helps me like throw a cutter and it doesn't take away from like velo or anything so it's it's not something i really ever think about but yeah so that's the heater it's kind of like middle thumb like kind of like a triangle here and i just try to have as much extension with it as I possibly can uh this is my curveball i've played around with sorry what were you saying oh i was gonna say so you're intentionally extending through it then you're kind of like I think there's like if you overcook anything, it's bad. Like I'm not really trying to jump down the mound, but like the more out in front I feel with my hand, because I have a tendency to lead with my head a lot. So like my adjustments always like try and keep my upper body back and like my extension out in front of me. So I want to see what the pitch is doing instead of like throwing it like this. I want everything to be in front. So meaning like extension as of in like good timing out front as opposed to me like lunging to home plate. So one of your cues is actually to watch, to be able to see the ball, you release the ball then. Not really. I just think that's like a, my, my cues are more like stay back type stuff. I try to like clear my mind of all that mostly when I'm on the mound, but like, I know that when I am on time and everything's going well, like I feel my extension out front. There's not really anything I can like tell myself to feel it, but I know when something's wrong, it's just like I'm leading here and I have to get, I just have to kind of, I don't know, maintain focus more out front as opposed to like trying to throw hard with my, with my front side. And sometimes you will throw a unintentional, like 98 mile an hour cutter that is not on purpose. No. Yeah. That definitely like, I can cut it if I want to, but a lot of times like it just cuts randomly. And so I just like, that's when I get out front with my upper body and like my arm has to catch up somehow. And I get really on the side of it and it kind of, the velo still there. Cause I'm still in a good enough spot to like stay athletic, but I just think I kind of get that like head rip and then I just start to kind of gyro spin it, but it ends up still collecting a lot of carry and a lot of cut. So it's not like a, something I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. I mean, it's, those are my favorite actually. I love to say that. It helps a lot, but I think too, growing up, like I started really cutting the ball in high school after I had that thing happen and it was really hard to command for like a lot of years. So it was always really frustrating. And like most of my minor league career was me trying to somehow get rid of it, like just get rid of the cut entirely and like try to be able to throw strikes. But now I just embrace it and throw it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just shoot, it's, it's crazy. Um, curveball. Yeah. 
Curveball is I've played around. I've messed around with these grips a lot. Actually, I used to throw it like this. Uh, I'll switch it up to here sometimes, but now I have it like on a seam to where I take it almost like this and I want both of my fingers to be on the seam. And I have such big hands that it helps me get in front of it to where I feel like I'm like taking my hands and like ripping down on this. So I feel like I can get like two to 300 extra or like better spin rate on it as opposed to me throwing it like a traditional curveball. I really feel my hand coming off that lace. So I'm throwing it like in front this way and I'm almost trying to like throw a heater behind me. Like I'm almost ripping it like this. It doesn't feel like that. I'm sure it looks different when you like look at it on Edgertronic, but like for me, feeling the laces in front really helped me. Like it just gets me like, I don't know, a little bit more drop on my curveball. And are you middle, is it middle finger dominant or using both fingers? Both fingers. I want to have like equal pressure, but I'm sure it comes off of, what's it come off for? It kind of honestly, evenly, like I feel it really on both of these fingers, like ripping them down. Interesting. Cause I know some people like to go to a spike because they think that the, you know, their pointer fingers getting in the way of the spin, but if you can use them both, I mean, why yeah. Not? yeah. Having big hands too. I can, I can keep the pitch at like the fingertips as opposed to guys with smaller hands kind of ha like it is better to kind of avoid it just lets you like kind of turn over a little bit better. Like you can kind of get more 12, six on it. I used to throw a spike too, but I create more spin just because my hands are big, but everyone I know that has a good curveball. That's like relatively, has like kind of small hands. I feel like a majority of them spike it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that pitch is relatively unfair. Like when I'm seeing you throw that, it's like you're throwing that out of your fastball tunnel and you're getting swings at your, at your uh, curveball, you know, sometimes like 10 feet in front of a plate or more. Do you, yeah, you, do you ever want to laugh? I'm, I'm not like laughing. <laughs> I just know like a lot of times too, like if I am trying to get a swing and miss, I just, all the only thing I'm thinking about is trying to get it the same tunnel. Like if I'm throwing up like a heater, I just threw a heater at the top of the zone. I'm throwing it same arm pass, same everything. And I know it's, I'm not going to get it to the plate. Like I know it's going to be around like 55 ish feet, but like as long as I can make it look like a heater, it's fine. And if I throw like a low heater that like has a nice spin rate or like a good trajectory and like I hit like a low and away corner, I'll throw an even shorter. Like I'll throw like a 40 something foot one just cause I need it to look exactly the same. But sometimes it's hard to, throw for a strike because there's like a pretty good amount of depth on it so that's why this offseason and this spring i've really been focusing on like a third pitch i can just kind of throw in there for a strike that makes sense so you are consciously thinking about tunneling when you're when you're pitching it's not like i'm trying to make like tunnel I, it's definitely like it contributes to tunneling but it's just i want it to feel exactly the same as that as the pitch prior i just want it to be the same slot i don't care if it's in the zone i just need it to look like a strike for a, a little bit and I usually, as long as it comes out of my hand at the same slot, I usually will get like a swing and miss on it. So, and that's a combination of your velo and extension both is that a hitter's got to make a pretty quick decision. So yeah. you're able to, yeah, I mean, you're able to take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah. And then finding that medium ground of like having something else, I can kind of get it in the zone to where like guys, I think have a good advantage against me. If you, if you can guess right, it's hard to hit my curveball, but like it generally, like if you can guess I'm throwing a fastball and sit on it, like these, the hitters in the big leagues are so good they're like you kind of have to have more weapons just like a heater do you think they pick up spin well because i i talked to Ottavino and he said he doesn't he's talked to hitters and they don't pick up spin virtually at all i don't i think it depends on like how good you spin a ball like Ottavino, you're not going to see it because he spins like 3200 rpms like i just think like once it it kind of gets like a car on the road where like it's spinning so fast it looks like it's spinning the other way it's just like you kind of place like your brain just doesn't know how to pick it up and i think when i really spin a curveball well it just kind of looks like a blob. I don't think guys can really see the spin. I think if, if I get on the side of it and create like a different spin with the laces, it can kind of look a little different, but 
if if it's spin and type, it's pretty hard to to tell what pitch it is. So one thing with with your fastball, you're not always trying to elevate it, right? Like if, if your fastball has carry, you can carry it at the bottom part of the zone too, and and it looks like it's going to drop out and it stays in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, like a low heater is definitely, I think like for purposes of early on for me trying to throw strikes and compete early and get it in the zone, it's easier to kind of aim middle up. But for me, like I, I definitely want to utilize the bottom of the zone too. Like I'm going to get a majority of my swing and misses and I want to like be up in the zone just so I can, my curveball can play off of it better and like sneak a couple into the zone. But I'm going to, I want to like fill up the zone low end up while also like throwing a curveball off of both of those pitches. Is that something that um, the analytics have told you? Because this is something that I've looked at too. And I think everybody's assuming high spin rate, you want to live up in the zone, but I've noticed like Walker throws, a, throws the ball at the yeah. bottom of the zone really well. And just keeps its plane that hitters take it for a strike at the knees. Yeah. I think it's a little harder to get that like heavy um, carry on like a low heater. I just think your timing has to be synced up really well. Cause you get like, full extension you're not ripping open you're not like you're really out front spinning it to where like it's probably just easier and i have like more room for error if i'm up at the top of the zone but the days i'm really feeling it and i can like throw it at the bottom of the zone those are usually my better better games gotcha um so your your third pitch that you're working on or fourth pitch since you do have a change up that yeah i'll do the change up this is the change up sucks don't look at my grip (laughs) no it's actually it's like this is the only way i can throw it to make the, the speed be relatively like 92 95 but I try to kind of just get it off of these two fingers. Um, the spin's like 1,800. It's different from my fastball, but it's still not like the best pitch on on the axis. Do you ever feel kind of silly saying that your changeup is 95 miles an hour? I don't know. It's definitely <laughs> like at that point, not a changeup. It's just kind of like a two-seam or like something, you know what I mean? So I just kind of, I don't know. It definitely, though, the games that I'm like really able to throw it hard, like even a 93, 94-mile-per-hour changeup will get a lot of early swings. So as long as I can just throw it in the zone, it's just not something I have like overwhelming confidence in to throw just cause I, I feel like a lot of times when I am feeling good, I'll end up throwing that and like giving up a couple hits on it. And I'm like, why did I <laughs> just throw it? Don't throw that. Like, I don't know, but it, it is nice to establish early on. So guys still have it in the back of their mind. Yeah. I mean, I would still think even a few miles an hour off, I think people don't get the fact that the little bit of movement difference, your spin difference and the tiny velo difference is going to still get swings and misses because they have to be on time at a 90, you know, 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, a lot of times, like I'm not really looking for a swing and miss on it. I'm kind of just like, if I'm two, one or three, one or something, and I can throw it for a strike guys are just trying to ambush a heater and I do get like a ground ball or just something quick to get out of an inning. Are you mostly looking for K's though? I mean, what's your mental approach to that? I just think it's more about like the mentality of every pitch I throw. I want to throw it with like, everything I have, like everything I have, not exactly like a hundred percent effort, but I'm just like, I want conviction behind every pitch. And like, if I'm executing and hitting my spots, I don't necessarily want to strike everybody out, but I, it's like, if you're executing and hitting your spots and doing what you need to do, like generally, if you have good stuff, you're going to strike guys out. So it's not, my only goal is not to go out and strike guys out, but I just need to be aggressive. And usually when I'm on and aggressive, it just leads to strikeouts. Gotcha. Um, okay. You're, you're the pitch you're working on, which is a slider cutter combo, right? So I hold it like this. I, I played around with a lot of different grips too. And like generally for me, as long as I'm like my mechanics are right and like I'm throwing the ball out of the same tunnel, like no matter the grip I'm using on it, it does the exact same thing. I played around with like with this more of a traditional slider, a couple of like here a little bit, but what helped me really feel like it's a heater, it's, it's like 8791. So it's more of like a cutter slider type thing. And I want it to be a little harder and like a little bit more like short so I can throw it for a strike. But it's basically like a, 
it's like you the two seam, but I move it over and then I just shift it a little bit that way. So I can kind of come off and it's just spins like this kind of like a little cutter. I just throw it just like a fastball. How much movement are you getting on that? Oh, I don't even know the numbers. Like it's more, it's like on the horizontal. So if my heater's like up here, curveball's down here, it's to the left at like seven and minus seven horizontal or something like that. Like there's not a lot of depth. It's just more of like a small little sweeping kind of, it's just like the midpoint between my heater, curveball, my slider's like over here. Gotcha. Did you use analytics to make this decision to add the pitch or is it just something you mentally want to like visually have a, you know, in your head, you want to do it. Kyle's always been a, like mentioned, like it would be great to have a third pitch that like is in the middle of both your heater and your curveball. So guys just don't sell out to one of them. So he's like, just have something you can throw for strike in the middle. And it's something I've been working on for a while. And then I came down early to Florida and he set up like the edgetronic and the track man and, and, it was in a matter of like one or two bullpens, just having that data available. It was really easy to learn. And like, we've been throwing it a lot more as spring goes on and I'm like kind of fine tuning it to where I'm able to throw it a little harder and for strikes. And it's actually been like, it's a lot more ahead than I thought it would be at this point. So I'm, it, I've been throwing it a lot against hitters and I'm like, I'm very comfortable throwing it. So. And the hitters feedback's been good. Yeah. It's been real. So I threw yesterday three innings and it was like getting a lot of like some swing and misses and I was throwing it for strikes a lot. And, guys were just yeah they said it looked pretty good so i'm just excited to go out and use it in the game what do you use so in developing a pitch what's key for you because some people are real visual learners other people love the stats on their pitch other people just want to see how hitters react or is it a combo of all that i just need it to feel good out of my hand i just need something to where i think i can repeat it and like as long as i see it moving a little bit and like i think more of like hitters perspective and like what they're doing when they're swinging at it is the number one thing like the data is important i want to like the ones that feel really good I want to know the data and I want to see what it's like coming out of my hand and I want to try to mimic it. But for me, I'm hundred percent more of like, just feel is everything. Like it has to feel good out of my hand. Does the edutronic help though? Like replicate the pitch maybe? Yeah. So like, it's like you kind of have your mental cue and then you throw it and you see on the edutronic, like, okay, that one was 85 and like a little bit more sweepy. So you want to get behind it more. So I can kind of like fine tune it, like compare that pitch to this pitch or this one to that one. And like, so he'll be like, hey, you're here. I want you to be a little bit more here and I'll throw it. And then I can have like direct feedback from the edge of it. Yeah. So I find that a lot of, a lot of old school pitches or pitchers are like, oh, you don't need this. I can just tell you with my eyes what, what's going on. But you can't even feel a lot of this stuff without actually seeing it slow-mo and then going, oh, that's the adjustment I need to make. It makes it quicker. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of, yeah, it expedites the process a lot. I think for me too, like even ones that I'm like, oh, that one sucks. It doesn't feel good. And we'll look on the data. It'll be like, no, that's a really good slider. You should somehow try to create that one. So we're like, I'm trying to spin it the same way while making it feel comfortable out of my hand. Well, I don't know. Uh, one, one question. The Rays, obviously you all have pitchers for days. Is that more of a scouting thing? Is it something the organization does really well? Um, what's the key? Like, why do you have a stable full of guys throwing 98? Cause they're, very, I think a lot of it is guys that like teams have given up on, not given up on, but like dudes that have a lot of potential and throw really hard, but couldn't throw strikes or something like that. And like, what they'll do is they'll go, like they were probably one of the first teams to really buy into a lot of the data and the track man stuff to where they'd collect the data around the league and see guys who have like outlier pitches, like something that's very unique to the league in general. And they say like, Hey, that's your best pitch. Like you basically want to throw that a lot. And like, this is something that looks different than anyone else in the big leagues. And like, what we're going to have you do just to minimize error is like kind of aim to a bigger vicinity, like just keep throwing those really good pitches and stop trying to do what every other big league team is telling you of just like traditionally pitching like a, I don't know, it's like sequencing and throwing like sinkers in the corners. It's just like, use your good stuff and, and 
throw it down the middle. Like chances are guys won't hit it if it's a plus plus pitch and guys come here and like adopt that mentality and then get some confidence and then ended up just pitching. And like, even this year, like we've got like seven guys that throw a hundred in the bullpen right now. And it's incredible. And everyone's throwing really well, just cause it's, it's guys that have kind of had trouble throwing strikes before, but that mentality of like, just aim down the middle has helped basically everyone who's come over to the Tampa Bay Rays. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. That's all. So it's a combination of things. It's the unicorn type pitches. And then it looks like, and I don't know if this is intentional, but all the weird arm angles too. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They just find guys that are weirdos and like have good stuff from <laughs> like a Thompson and like dudes like that. It's just like spin stuff incredibly well from a real, like an awkward angle. So it's really just finding guys that are like outliers it's like the the black swans of baseball that just like no everyone no one really knew if they were good or not and then they kind of like accumulated the data to to see that they were good and then it's just been working out for them yeah i mean you guys do definitely have the weirdos i mean you have uh fairbanks who's a little bit of yeah a, uh, uh Rich Hill. Weirdos, like the way they throw but yeah we also have some weirdo weirdos on our team. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'd, I'd actually talked to uh to rich hill he's a he's a uh he's a good dude like but he's, he's awesome yeah yeah um and then it how's honeywell doing good he's back so he struggled so much with all those surgeries and all that stuff and he finally had his like last one before spring started and i actually go out and watch his bullpens and he's like back to honeywell like i don't know what his velo is right now but he's like when he was in the bubble with us, he wasn't really carrying the ball like he used to and there was like a lot of he was just like kind of getting around like an uncomfortable feeling and now his arm is like back to normal and he's just like carrying the ball like 20 inches. It's nuts. Like, and he's hitting the zone. Like he's going to be, I think he's going to help us in the big leagues this year for sure. If he can do what he's doing now all year long. Like there's, there's no way he's not in the big leagues doing okay. something with us. Still throwing a screwball too. Yeah. He's throwing change up screwballs, curveballs. Like he's all, I mean, his bullpens have been really impressive. So yeah, he's a, I mean, hardworking dude and love, I mean, I, I love his stuff. Who has jumped yeah. out at you? Like you, you look at him, you're playing catch with him or something like that. Who do you say? I don't want to, I don't want to catch that guy. I don't know. Archer's been looking really good. Um, I don't know. I usually throw with the bullpen catchers and stuff. Cause I throw relatively hard and like pitchers don't usually like to catch. Like <laughs> I want to like work on <laughs> pitching. So, or like throwing um, firsthand. I don't know anyone off the top of my head, but like it's actually Stetson Alley is a guy I trained with in the off season and we, signed him too and he's been nasty like throwing with him he's getting a slider he's throwing for a lot of strikes and i saw him pitching his first game he was sitting 99 so like if he can continue to throw strikes and throw that slider for strikes he's going to be in the big leagues for sure i don't see how he wouldn't so one of the things that you're kind of famous for is pitching angry is that like <laughs> your main mental cue like is to get that that way or do you sometimes is that one of the many things that you do mental game wise I think it's just if I can get into that, like, not victim mindset, but if I'm out there, like, with a chip on my shoulder, it makes pitching a lot easier. So it's not something I necessarily, like, need to have every start, but it's something I'm always trying to, like, strive for and, like, attain. So it's just something, like, it's kind of like a mindset adjustment, like, just kind of sitting in the dugout and finding something that, like, gets you and like, gets you going really helps me kind of go out there and just have, like, it just exude confidence, I guess. It's really just for, like, a, like a confidence type thing, but. I think that that's definitely something I'm trying to like achieve every time I'm pitching. Is there anything, do you do visualization or anything like that? Or it's just so, so me mentally getting angry out there and that you just want to shove the ball down. It's so realizing what gets you angry. It's not necessarily like angry as in, I don't know. It's just, it's definitely, it's a, it's like visualizing something that to like get you a little angry, like something 
everyone's got something that they can look back on and like, it'll bring up some sort of something. And I just think I try to like play off those emotions and it helps me go out and execute. It's funny. Cause a lot of pitchers will do the opposite. So they'll sit there and go, I want my mind blank. I don't want to think about anything. I'm just thinking about the next pitch. It's just an interesting mindset. I mean, there's, there's, it runs the gamut, I guess, depending on the person. Yeah. I think from like, there's times like inning to inning that maybe I like don't have it, but like, I think if I were to look at like the pure data, like the innings that I'm like angry and I, I can kind of get that it's a lot more effortless for me. Like I can create a lot more, like, I don't know, like adrenaline by using less effort in a weird way. Like, I just feel like I can like throw harder. My stuff is better. And I don't necessarily have to like use as much energy as long as I can get like kind of like that mental stimulus. Interesting. So one of the things that I don't know that, you know, is that uh, you, you won a pitching ninja award for the most unfair at bat against uh, Pete Alonso. I don't know if that even stuck out stuck out to you as a ridiculous at bat, but uh, he swung at a curveball that I think, might have bounced on the pitcher's mound. Um, yeah, I think I, I do. I remember that game. It was the last regular season game. Yeah, I think too. Like in Pete's defense, like those are just like everyone has their their times in the year where they're not timed up and they're not feeling well. And he was in one of those those modes because he's an unbelievable hitter. Like that guy is. And but I could tell even like early on, I was like he's kind of out of whack right now. But it was. I think it was just yeah. It was definitely like a, a game that I felt like I was on, and I do remember that at bat. I usually don't feel bad for hitters, but I remember him walking back to the dugout and he was just, he looked like you were describing like, my God, I just suck right now. And this is terrible. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it like his internal stuff was then, but I just think it was probably, and I think too, like the day after that or something, he ended up like hitting a bomb. Like he just kind of had good players do. They can kind of be bad one day and then come back and, and do well another day. So. So speaking of that, how do you shake off an outing? Like you suck one day, you get, you get shelled. How do you, how do you shake that off for the next game? I think so much of it's just like once you suck enough times, like it's early, it's hard when you first get into pro ball and like it really, really takes it so like you get all sad and frustrated when you're young and angry and like you, it's just the more you do it and the more you suck, the more you get used to like, ah, whatever, get the next one. Like it really is like, it's not doing you any, any favors by like sitting and dwelling on a, a bad start. So a bad one for me, like that day, I'll take time to process it and understand what I did wrong with the following day. Like, I just got to forget about it. Like I have to go out and, and, and get my mind on like the next set of hitters and like the next series, but it gets easier as, as you fail more for sure. So struggling helps you in your mental Rolodex to have something to pull back on and say, you know what? I've overcome this before too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you find the, like your rock bottom starts and stuff and you're like, Oh, that's not as bad as that one. And like, it's just too, it's like, who cares? You did bad yesterday. Like whatever you have like 30 more starts, just forget about it. And the more like, when you're younger, if you get into that victim mentality and, and like don't shake it off, that's when in one bad start turns into like four. So you just got to be like, all right, whatever. You can tell yourself, whatever. Hitters got lucky. I sucked. Like that's just how it goes. And then you just got to go and get the next one. So the other uh, pitching ninja award, you were runner up last year for K strut of the year after I think you K judge and did this weird turnaround. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you remember. I do. I definitely remember that. I don't even like in the moment I didn't like, it wasn't like a conscious, like it just kind of felt right in the moment. I don't even remember I did it. And then after the game, I saw it and I was like, Ooh, I completely <laughs> forgot I did that. And yeah. But it was funny. And I said funny too. Cause like, I didn't even want it to like, part of me was like, I hope that it wasn't like me showing anyone up. Cause like judge is like one of my favorite people I've ever met, but I just think it was like, I don't think he cares at all, obviously, but like in the moment, it just felt good. You're out there competing. Like, in playoffs, it was just a good feeling. I don't know. I do remember that, though. And then you had the uh, Are You Entertained, uh, I think, three years ago. You would <laughs> case somebody just turn around like this 
And a cut and... Are you not entertained? And uh, I thought that was pretty badass. You need to go back to that a little bit. I, mean, I do. Just... But that's the thing. Like, I don't have like a signature case strut. You just like do whatever feels right in the moment. Like you don't even know you're doing it. You're just out there like playing and then you and then you see it after the game, I guess. But like you definitely like the feeling of striking somebody out on like a heater or something is like you definitely get like a rush of confidence and you just like feel good and then you forget about it and go to the next guy. But I'm sure I'll do something again this year. I mean, there's always that backflip. I mean, Araldus did one where he did a run. <laughs> yeah, the front roll. That was actually really funny. I think I'll avoid that. I don't know if the team would like that very much. Well, plus, if you miss it, that would be counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. So one thing, you are like a favorite among other pitchers to me. Like, um, I know I, I talked to Stroman, and he said – Man, Glass now, he's he's the man. Like, he watches everything you do just because, again, like kind of like I do where you see something you haven't seen before. Um, do you know that? Like, do you do other people tell you that, that they love watching you pitch? No, I don't know. I think it's like I just think like amongst baseball players, like I love watching different dudes pitch. I love watching guys that like aren't necessarily like similar or even guys who are similar to me. Just like good pitching is just good pitching. It's just easy to watch. You know what I mean? Like and when someone's on, it's such a beautiful thing to watch someone just get into that rhythm. And like even Stroman's guy, like he's one of those dudes that kind of has a mental edge. And like, I think what makes him good is he goes out there and like, doesn't really apologize for anything. He just, he's like, he knows the mindset he needs to be in to succeed. And like, he just says like, if you don't like it, whatever. And like, just guys like that, I enjoy watching and like, DeGrom and the dudes who dominate like I love watching Cole because I played with him for a long time and I just it's just fun to go watch guys like inner monologue kind of when they're pitching like you just I just like the rhythm and the flow of like good pitching <clears throat> yeah what do you think like Cole you played with so what, what what clicked in him I mean he was always kind of a big you know awesome yeah. pitcher. it's probably the same thing where he didn't have to think about living down in the zone and all that um what else yeah. like I think he just, he expanded his zone up too. He like the pirates never really talked about throwing heaters up. It was very much about like staying low in the zone and executing there. And he went to the Astros and they kind of gave him the same, like, yo, you spin the ball really well. You have a lot of carry. Like you should just start going like four seams up with curve balls. And like, also don't get away from below in the zone and like do what you need to do. But like, you also have so much more to work with. And he's a guy with plus plus command to where he can kind of cut the, the zone into quadrants and throw where he needs to throw. But I just think him opening up the top of the zone helped him a bunch. So I think a lot of fans don't realize the extent that organizations differ, um, that their organizations, they may be successful in what they do, and, but they may have round pegs and square holes yeah. and stuff like that. And then when you go to a different organization, you may just take off, but fans tend to think it's the pitcher. Oh, why, did, why couldn't he do that here? Versus it's an organizational mindset sometimes. True. I think, I mean, like as much as it's an organizational thing too, like just people find tips and tricks to like, they look, your stuff and know how you can utilize it on the mound and be good. And like, for me, I was bad in Pittsburgh because I sucked. Like it wasn't like their fault. I just think like what helped me was a different mentality. And like, a, like they, the Rays un helped me understand that like my stuff's good, that I don't need to try and nitpick. But like, I do think it was more so of like, generally I would say it like you still have, it's still your career. Like you can make the adjustments on your own. Like there's enough data and enough stuff to like figure it out. But it was just so early on back then, like it was still so new that like, that's what helped going to the Rays. But yeah, that I, you just made a great point, and I think um, that's another thing that I try to preach to pitchers and everybody. Like mm -hmm. in, in the end, it is your career that you're, yeah. you have to take charge of it. Your coach is giving you advice, but that's why so many people work with outside folks. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, you may not be on the race next year, for all you know. You could be somewhere else. Exactly. But it's, yeah, 
it's a very real possibility. That's something I think about a lot. And like, even like with my weight room stuff and all my, and like, and it's no disrespect, but like guys know in baseball, like you get traded, all this stuff is out of your control. Like you need to find a program and something that works for you. Like you want to go and try to learn from other organizations and see what they have to offer and like different workouts and whatever, like information they have. But um, I've been on the same kind of routine since Pittsburgh. And like, I know what I have to do in the weight room and I know have to like, like all that stuff you need to figure out for yourself. And like what works for one guy doesn't work for everybody. So as long as you can find something that's tailored to you, that's you're better off just like sticking with your own stuff. Do you think some, so I think some pitchers are deferential and they think that if they do what the coach says, they're going to move up because they're doing yeah. what the coach says. That's what I, yeah. That's like minor league mentality, which is like, it's even, I fell into that. It's just like, you, it's like the kid, not kiss ass mentality, but like, and that you just want like to bake the big league so bad. And like, you convince yourself like, Oh, if I likes me and I'm agreeable. Like maybe I'll have a better chance to go up. But like, if you pitch well, you go to the big leagues and you stay in the big leagues. Like it's all about performance. Like you don't want to go burn bridges and be a dick, but like, it's definitely about like finding what works for you. If, if someone is telling you something that doesn't work and they're mad, you're not listening to them. Like too bad, like be respectful and like have a good conversation with the person, but like you need to figure out what works for you. Cause you're going to get a million coaches telling you a million things over your career. You have to be able to have a filter and like understand that like everyone's trying to help but sometimes it can be detrimental. Do you think most coaches under, like, I think now maybe they do more. They understand that, Hey, what I'm saying may not work for you, but I think back a few years ago, it was more, this is the way we do it here, son. hundred percent. And it, it, yeah. And it was like a sign of like disrespect or like defiance. If you didn't listen, but like, for me, I was always somebody who needed like more than just, I needed like proof, some sort of data to tell me like, why does that work? Like do this. Okay. Why? Like, and I couldn't get an answer. Be like, because it worked for this guy. And I would just be like, all right, like, I'll try it, but I'm not going to do it. And I think a lot of times people can get deemed like, I don't know, you never want to be disrespectful. But like, I think some people can get that like uncoachable title when it really is just like, there's a way to do it respectfully. But like, it, it, you should definitely like, listen to everybody, but you got to be in your own lane and you got to know what works for you and you have to stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that most coaches aren't used to coaching a big dude who moves as well as you do. And to make, to take that athleticism out and say, just use your, you know, stay tall, do this. You've got to find what works for you mechanically. And you've been through a lot yeah. mechanically. Like I've seen you shift. You did that, that weird leg thing. Uh, where yeah. 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 It's just trying to find ways to stay back athletically and like, and you have to, and also the realization of like, you're not going to feel good every day. Stop changing your mechanics. Like you, you're like, just because you feel bad physically doesn't mean it's your mechanics. It's just like sometimes timing's not right. Like you should just stick, like stay in your lane, figure out your small adjustments, but don't try to like change everything and like to such a vast degree. Do you think pitching while angry helps you not do that during a game? Like you're not thinking about that anymore. 100%. That's what like the biggest thing. It's like you can't really feel like the nerves and the anxiety of pitching when like anger is, is in there. Like that trumps all other like emotions. And it trumps like if you're trying to start to like, because I think a, a good amount, like I want to optimize as much as I can. And sometimes it's detrimental to like think about, okay, this like if I'm on the mound, like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Like my back, like I'm drifting too much, blah, blah, blah. Like you're probably not in the right mindset. It should be in the mindset of like, this is how I am today. I need to go out and compete with these mechanics today. Like you can make your small adjustments to try to get better. But like when I do get into that angry mindset, that's my forefront. My forefront is like competition. And like, I'm trying to defeat this person. I'm like competing. I'm angry. Like I'm out here trying to like do well against you. And all I'm thinking about now is competing as opposed to like, when I'm not in that mindset, I kind of can be like, how do I make this adjustment and do this and that when that's kind of more for practice, not really for the game. Makes sense. Um, one thing when I was in interviewing Strowman, um, 
he said, so he has a tattoo of uh, Killian Murphy on his back, Thomas Shelby from uh, yeah. Peaky Blinders. And he yeah. said he was walking around and somebody said, why do you have a tat of, of Tyler Glass now on your back? <laughs> That's funny. I actually talked to Archer about Stroman and he was saying he's like, got a lot of really cool like portrait tattoos. And I think Archer uses the same guy as he does. Or Archer uses the same tattoo artist as Stroman used to use. And he was telling me like about like other portraits and he has like a uh, Thomas Shelby one. He's got like a, I think a Denzel one. There's like a couple of them, but yeah, he's got some good tattoos for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. You get that though, right? You get the, the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. So, I get it a lot. I think yeah. it's cool. <laughs> did, you, did you watch the show? I did. I, I like it a lot. I really enjoy that show. I think uh, it's good. He's a actor. Okay. So can you give me like a by order of the Peaky Blinders? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one pass for today. <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be my catchphrase for you for the season, though. Every time you K somebody, I, I probably. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, let me. What do you think your? So, what are your? What do you think your ceiling is? Like, what would be the the absolute Tyler Glass now? You know, what what do you think you could be? Well, don't, you don't even don't think know. like that. No, I don't know. I just, I know that like what I'm on right now is like my routine is very solid. Like I'm, I'm progressing as a pitcher. Like I'm definitely not at my ceiling. Like I definitely have a lot more things to learn and like a lot more room to grow. Um, but I know like the, the plan that I'm on right now, like as long as I keep my routine, I get my game experience. Like I think I just have more room to grow, but like for me, it's very much start to start. Like I don't want to, I don't really ever think about like what I could possibly be. I just think if I can take care of what I have to do now, like it should work out. And how big is uh, strength and conditioning for you? It's, it's huge for me. Like in the off season, especially in season, what I, now that I'm like getting a little older, I'm not old, but like I'm a lot more like PNF strength mobility while also having one day a week in my five day where I lift really, really heavy, like a, a straight bar deadlift, like sets of five, like squats, a lot of core stuff. And then every day I have like a 30, 45 minute PNF like um, movement thing that's like probably where i get most of my strength from but it's more about like optimizing my movement patterns now and i used to just be like a meathead lifting junkie but like it's more now you can still achieve all those things with less stress and less like wear and tear with just like body weight like stretching like end range stuff but um most of that is in my program but like, i still am a huge fan of like lifting heavy and one last thing, I noticed you did a little breakdown of your mechanics, which I thought was really helpful. Like I thought your lower half cues and everything was something that I shared with a lot of younger pitchers. Can you just go over really quickly what you think, uh, what you think of when you're thinking of lower half, you already went over your upper half, at least some of it. I want to think like, I want to be like, so like extremely stable in my hips. So it's not really about my legs or anything. It's about like the way, like my hips, I want to be able to shift this way to like, when I'm balancing, I want my right hip to feel locked in place. And it's all, it's your glute, it's your outside hip, your inside hip, it's your adductor. It's everything like feeling strong in your back leg. I want to feel like I can sit down on my leg and I want all of my energy going straight through the catcher, as opposed to like quad dominant cross across my body. So it's like a straight bar deadlift for me activates my glutes and my hamstrings, like I can feel that, like I'm sitting into a chair feeling. And the more I can control, like I used to be very much like, like 455 on a straight bar deadlift, like just lifting like a bunch of weight. But now I'm more of like put 225 on the bar and like control it as much as I can, like get into my spot and like 
like get into the spot where I can like turn my hips and like feel very isolated on one side and like just controlling weight. But it's very much about being strong in your, in your like sitting position, like single leg, straight leg squats, like to like, you're slowly going down, slowly going up. Like you just want to be able to control your hip motion as opposed to like, I don't know, just trying to like squat a bunch or like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> oh no, it makes a lot of sense. And are you thinking ever about your front leg or that just happens? No, if I'm thinking about my front legs, I'm usually screwed. So like that's something for practice, but like a lot of times for me, like if I'm stable on my backside, it, everything happens like super naturally out front. Like I don't, I don't like reach. I don't do anything as long as I'm stacked up and like no tension. And I, and I'm like, okay, I'm balanced now. I want to go forward. All that stuff works out. But if I lift and I'm drifting as I'm lifting, then I start to like feel like I'm trying to like compensate with my front side, like grab, like extending my leg too far, trying to grab the ground. Like for me, it's just about stability on the backside and then everything will take care of itself. And anything upper half that other than your straight, your straight line stuff, um, is there anything glove side you think of, or you just let that happen? No, I just let it happen. Even Rich Hill's a guy who talked about that too. As long as he's like on the same page of like, as long as he's balanced and like in his hip on the backside, like a lot of that stuff, you don't, you don't want to get like too over rotated, but like for me, when I'm, when I'm timed up on the backside, like I never think about my front side. I never think about anything like that. So I mean, Hill is another guy who he can pitch angry, even though he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Like he, oh, I love what dude. That's like, I'm so glad we signed him. Cause like, I'll watch that dude on the backfields, just like screaming and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. Like, cause I, when I was younger, I, I tried to pitch like that with the pirates and they were very much like, you gotta be like more like kind of like consistent, blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like focused out like instead of focusing on just competing i was focusing on like how to be even keel while also trying to compete it was just like one other thing i needed to think about and i watch guys like kershaw and i watch guys like rich hill kind of go out there and pitch angry and i'm like all right sweet those dudes are like 40 or like or riches like 39 i'm like i can pitch like this for the rest of my career if i want to so it's fine i think that's so interesting because again you have like DeGrom doesn't show much emotion. I mean, Corey Kluber shows no emotion. Hendrick, yeah. But then you have guys like Scherzer, who's a, a psychopath on the mound. I think it has to be within your personality and what gets it done versus a cookie cutter thing. And I think we, as coaches, everybody taught that. Like, you know, you don't want to show emotion. Don't show anything. Don't let, you know. Yeah. And, and some people can do it, some can't. I think it depends if you're showing emotion and it's like, making you suck at pitching you should probably stop but like if you're angry and you can pitch well then like do whatever makes you feel comfortable like not everyone baseball's now adapting or like adopting that type of mentality like just find what works for you and do it listen to as much people as you can and like take advice but like find what works for you don't try to make anyone happy like if someone doesn't like that you're angry but you're throwing seven scoreless tell them to go away <laughs> or just be like do what you got to do to compete it's your career don't you also think that that helps fans get into the game like to me if everybody's a robot playing, then what are you rooting for? Um, if you can see emotion and you see a player that that is different or you do these type of interviews where somebody says, oh, I kind of like this guy. Um, yeah. You grow in the sport. Definitely. I think, yeah, for sure. I think it like kind of it humanizes people. Like when you see someone out there giving, showing emotion, you're just like, oh, they're just like a person out there competing. Like it's just very human-like. And I think some guys, like if you really need to not show any emotion and you're more like, kind of an, I don't know, whatever mentality it is, like if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah, ab absolutely. Another cool thing that you're doing is uh, you're part of that Chris Rose rotation thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Like I love players giving back during the year. And yeah. uh, I mean, I think it's important. 
Definitely. I, I always like doing stuff like this, especially talking about like the mental game and everything. Cause when I was struggling in the minor leagues and like in high school and stuff, or like say I have like a bad couple, whatever, like I would feel very like alone in a sense of like, Oh, I'm like, this is what I feel on the mound. And like, it doesn't feel like, or I'm anxious or I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, I don't think anyone else experiences stuff. So where you can like go and talk about like, if I can come on here and tell you like, Oh, these are all the things I feel when I'm bad and good. It's like, Oh, okay. So like, even this guy struggles with that stuff. Like it just makes it very human. Like, and I wish back then I could go on YouTube or something and type in like one of my favorite pitchers and see how, like what he experiences while he pitches. And I would realize like, Oh, okay. The things I'm going through. So is that guy. Like it's very normal to go through all these things. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and honestly, that's where I, I feel like this is going. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what I've tried to do with my Twitter account is not only share stuff, but let everybody know, because pitching can be lonely. Like you're the dude out there that everyone's watching and they need, like, I think it should be a community that everybody sticks together and learns from each other and knows it's like a support group for pitching. Yeah, for sure. I think too, like even as more so when like you're younger, like the easiest thing is pitching. Like it's the hardest part is having to deal with it after you just sucked. Like if, if you're young and like kind of feeble, like, I don't know, not mentally weak, but just like you haven't experienced much failure, like going out and doing really bad when it really matters, is not a comfortable feeling. Like, so I just think it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just a feeling that you have to like overcome and, and figure out. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your time today. Um, is there anything else you want to cover or you're, you're, Oh, I'm good to go. <laughs> awesome. Um, no, thanks for your time today. And if, you know, when, when you throw a no hitter during the season, I'll have you back on and we'll go through it. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a 15 K no hitter. We're going to speak there it to existence. I hope so. You keep on doing it. <laughs> All right. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. I appreciate you having me on, dude. Thank right. you. Take care. Right.